Welcome to Covenant Life Church, a ministry that is committed to helping you discover Christ's purpose for your life and leading you towards your best existence by providing you with meaningful ways to affect positive change in your world. Join Pastor Shane as he delivers a powerful and inspirational message for your life today. New year, new decade. We as a church have resisted all of the typical colloquialisms or catchphrases about vision. This is the year of 2020 vision, or this is the year of greater focus. That is not going to be CLC. We are bigger and better than that. This is the year of the catalyst. We believe that God is calling this church to have more influence than it has ever had in this region and all over the world. And I believe that God is going to do some powerful things through this community. Because God wants to be known as Lord, as King over everything. How many of you are thankful that the New England Patriots are not King? That they were defeated. Amen. Okay, I got a lot of Patriot fans here. That's okay. But I just want you to know, they were defeated. And there's one King, and that's God. And he is on the throne, and I'm excited about what he's going to do in your life. That's not going to be our first series, though, the, the, the Catalyst stuff. That's coming next in the next series. But I believe to get there that we need a little bit of focus and some help to make that next step. How many of you set some resolutions for 2020? Let me see your hands. You got some resolutions. Okay, I got about six and a crowd this big, which is embarrassing. And I want to tell you the reason it's embarrassing, because without goals, you don't get to accomplish anything. That if you set your agenda for nothing, you'll likely receive exactly what you've set your agenda for. It matters. And so in life, one of the great things that they have available to us is GPSs. You got a GPS in your car, your phone? Yeah, most of you. You have that. And it's a good thing. It's a good tool. I know some old timers, they say, you know, I don't like phones are distracting. Like a big old map in front of your face as your drive is not distracting. And many of you can remember the, the old school days where you had to look up and print out MapQuest directions. And some of you remember the giant maps or the atlases and you're distracted. Who knows how many accidents took place because of those things. But we can all say... That direction of some sort is helpful, particularly when you're behind the wheel of your car. I, I love the GPS system. In fact, I just got to give God praise for the GPS system because it saved my marriage. I, I'm, I'm not kidding. I mean, it, it probably did. Because if you ever ask my wife directions anywhere, she will have no clue how to help you. Even how to get home sometimes. She's just not her skill. She is skilled in so many beautiful and wonderful ways. She's an amazing woman. But sometimes I would ask directions about somewhere I think that she should know how to get. And she would tell me things that weren't good. And so I want to tell you about the very worst investment that we've made as a married couple so far. Can I do that? Can I just like have confession time right here? Okay, my wife and I bought a new car. This is the year is, I don't know, 2000 and probably four, 2005. We buy this SUV. We, our family was growing. Also, the ministry was growing. We wanted a vehicle big enough to carry people around. Also have the ability to get somewhere. But we bought a, a, a vehicle and it had no GPS in it. We didn't have a GPS, and so things were okay as long as we knew where we were going. But when we didn't, we regretted the purchase that we had made. And though we got a good deal on the first car, how many of you know what it means to be upside down in a car? Because over time, if you drive a car off the lot, it starts to depreciate, particularly when you're a pastor and you drive a lot. 
And so we put a lot of miles on this car. And my wife was a belly aching about not having a GPS in the car. She's like, we don't need a GPS. And she says, yes, we do, because I don't know where I'm going. And after enough conversations of, and, and arguments and me getting frustrated that she can't point me in the right direction, sometimes, I, I have to admit, I was asking her to direct me and to places that she had never been. And then I would get frustrated because she'd tell me to turn a direction and it was wrong. I was like all over the place. But the GPS saved my marriage because it solved lots of arguments in our house. We had clear coordinates. We had clear direction. But buying the car with a GPS meant that we had to trade in the one that we were upside down in and we lost thousands of dollars. But thousands of dollars for a saved marriage. Can somebody say amen? God is real and God works. I love GPS systems. The first thing I did in that GPS system is I changed the voice in the car from the woman to the man because the woman sounded too much like my wife and she was always giving me wrong directions and I needed the man to give me directions. Somebody give me a boo in the house. All right. Uh, I did change the voice. Um, and I told my wife that. She didn't like that joke either. But what I will tell you is it's true that we all need a GPS to get to where it is that we're going. They're helpful. Now they're everywhere. You got them on your phone. You got them. And they're available to us. And they guide us. But how many of you wish you had a GPS for life? Like how to get through a problem. How to navigate a difficult argument you have in your marriage. How to handle those crazy kids of yours how to deal with the person that's going to cuss you out in the church parking lot after they got out of church and then they're going to swear at you as you're leaving the parking lot because you're going to get to O'Charlie's before they do like how do you navigate that stuff the crazy stuff is there a way that we could do it if somebody could invent this they'd be wealthy they'd be rich but the truth is it's already here it's right in front of us God's word God's word has answers to every problem that we could ever face because all truth is based out of this book. And yet we still struggle at times because it's how to apply the wisdom of scripture to our lives in such a way that we can find or discern or decipher some sense of meaning. So I know if you need to have a healthy marriage, I can point to those places in the Bible, live this and it'll have that effect upon your life. I can tell you how to make good financial decisions. Live in the virtue of what this teaches and you will be blessed financially. There are very clear antidotes and outcomes that scripture gives us. The problem is, is that we're not always a people habituated in this book to the degree or the level that we ought to be. And so we often drive like my wife and I used to without a GPS hoping that we get to the right place, showing up late so many times because we kept steering off course and finding ourselves frustrated that we don't have the outcomes that we hoped that we would. These can be very painful experiences, particularly as they deal and they affect our lives because we need direction. You need direction and I need direction. And if we're going to have goals, we certainly need some direction on how it is that we can achieve the goals that we have set for ourselves or the goals that we feel like God has for us. One scripture we find an occasion that brings us to this very place. Joshua is a man of God. He's a man after God's own heart. When Moses would pray and leave the tent of meeting where God would show up and come down and speak, even as Moses would leave, Joshua just stayed there because he knew he needed to be a person about the presence of God. But things in their world are changing in rapid fire. God gives them a word. 
you guys have been going around this same mountain long enough. I'm going to set a new coordinate for you. It's time to possess the promise. The only problem is, is that possessing a promise is only as good as our ability to handle the promise in a mature way. Here's what I mean. Like I've got a two-year-old daughter. If I were to hand her the keys to my car and say, I am giving you this, you are blessed, you are favored. And I said, go drive it whenever you want, however you want. How many would think that I would be a faithful parent if I were to hand the daughter the keys to my car and tell her, go out and drive it however you want, wherever you want? You'd probably call health and human services on me. You'd probably say, that's the worst pastor ever. I don't want to sit in that church anymore. He's out of his ever-loving mind because though my daughter is the inheritor of my blessing, her inability to handle the blessing will keep her from possessing it in the way that she's supposed to. If I give my daughter keys to a car that she's not mature enough to drive, I'm endangering you. Similarly, if God gives you the keys to your promise before you are ready to possess them, you might run somebody over and wound them and destroy them in your trying to figure it all out. This is the occasion of the scripture that we're reading. God says, you're going to possess the promised land. It is yours. The, the, the milk, the honey, the beauty of it, the, the land, the streams, it's all yours. Go and explore it. Ten of the spies come back and say, there ain't no way. Have you seen the size of those people that God is calling us to have conquest among their land? Have you seen them? We're like grasshoppers in their sight. There's no way that we can go and do it. But two of them say, yeah, I'm ready. I'm ready, God. I'm ready for this promise. But because they weren't ready, they wandered around for 40 years. 40 years because God was trying to prepare them for the promise. It wasn't that God was punishing them. Sure, there was punishment involved in not possessing a promise, but it was more so the preparation, the proving ground. And now Joshua is the one to lead and the one that Israel had esteemed most besides God himself, Moses, has died. Joshua is scared out of his ever-loving mind. He's like, how do you fill the shoes of a man like Moses? Somebody that had that, had that kind of swagger, that kind of wisdom, that kind of knowledge. I'm no match for that. And God has to tell him on four different occasions in the very opening of this book of Joshua that he needed to be strong and courageous. That to go where God was calling him to go, that he needed to have a different kind of courage. And that's not just true of Joshua. When we set goals, God-sized goals, we're going to need God-sized help to get to where it is that we are called to go. In a very real way, new destinies, if I want a new outcome, it will require new tendencies. If I continue to do what I've always done, if the mindset of the Israelites had been, we can't take this land, then they would have never possessed it. At some point, a shift has to happen, but then the shift needs to lead to different behaviors. This is what's happening. This is the setup. This is where we invite you this morning, beginning to read in Joshua chapter 3. Early in the morning, Joshua and all the Israelites set out from Shittim, or Shittim, as Tyler told me in the first service and went to the Jordan where they camped before crossing over. After three days, the officers went throughout the camp, 
giving orders to the people. When you see the ark of the covenant of the Lord your God and the Levitical priests carrying it, you are to move out from your position and follow it. Then you will know which way to go since you have never been this way before. I'm gonna skip to verse 14, but before I do, in the gap of this area, there's a lot that's going on. The people don't know where to go. If you knew how to have a successful marriage, you would already have one. If you knew how to start a business, you would have already started one. If you knew how to raise the crazy kids, then your kids would already be compliant and doing the right things. It's the struggle and the in-between and the confession that we don't have it all together and we might need some help to get to where it is that we're trying to go. That matters so much as we're setting out on the course of 2020. You started out right because you're in the house of God. But I want to tell you, just being here is not enough. That's a great start. But you're also going to have to change your mind about how to handle the current problems that you now face. You can't just hope to be in better shape in the new year. You're going to have to get into the gym. You're going to have to run a little bit. You're going to have to put down the sweets. You've got to do that this week during the fast. You're going to have to put some things down and pick some things up to have a new outcome. This is what's happening. They've never been faced with this kind of problem. The Jordan River, the scripture tells us, is at flood stage. And in the area that they're going to cross, it's a mile across from one side to the other. There's no way that they can cross this thing with the millions of people that are in tow in this situation. To get across, they're going to need some new grace. And each of us in life need new grace if we desire to possess some new space. If there's something that you are in pursuit of. And if you're not in pursuit of something, perhaps throughout the conversation that we're going to share this morning, there will be some things in your heart that God begins to birth. And I promise you, if you do it God's way, you'll have God's outcome every time. Verse 14. So when the people broke camp to cross the Jordan, the priests carrying the Ark of the Covenant went ahead of them. Now the Jordan is at flood stage all during harvest. Yet as soon as the priests who carry the Ark reached the Jordan and their feet touched the water's edge, the water from upstream stopped flowing. It piled up in a heap a great distance away at a town called Adam in the vicinity of Zarathon. While the water flowing down to the Sea of Arabah, that is the Dead Sea, was completely cut off. So the people crossed over opposite Jericho. The priest who carried the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord stopped in the middle of the Jordan and stood on dry ground while all Israel passed by until the whole nation had completed the crossing on dry ground. Just as Israel had crossed the sea before, they are now being faced with another body of water, a significant body of water, a body of water that would lead to the promise. I wish I had time to tease out some of what this body of water significance would be, but they are having to cross over the Jordan. The Jordan is the same waters that, uh, that Naaman was cleansed in, the same waters that Jesus was baptized in, that the voice came down and said, this is my beloved son, you should listen to him. So you've got all of these pictures of baptism, of cleansing that are in play in the larger biblical narrative in this story. And Joshua is going to be the first one to cross, but he can't cross by natural means. And I imagine if Joshua is a leader like I am, 
What happens a lot of times in life is that God tells us what he wants from our lives. Hey, I want you to start a church. I want you to mow your neighbor's lawn and we'll get out and we'll just start doing it. If I'm Joshua, I'm trying to cut down some of the acacia trees that were in that region and start building boats and I'm gonna raft people across and it's gonna take me 40 years to get the millions of people across the, from one side to the other. Meanwhile, the boats are floating down the river. They're capsizing or everything else. Oh, after I fail at that, then I'm gonna try second option. I'm gonna cut down some trees. I'm gonna build a bridge and I'm gonna cut across. But then the water's too fast for that. And so you find yourselves very frustrated. And that's often the case for us. We hear a promise and we start trying to use our own intellect and mindset to attack the problem that's at hand. We've got to cross it. We're going to figure it out and we're going to do it. But when we do it in our own strength, what happens is we often miss the divine outcome that God intends. We always can rationalize the reasons of why we do what we do. But if we're going to have it God's way, we need to set our coordinates on what God is speaking for and asking us to do. We need that divine GPS. The first part of having that divine GPS is having the coordinates. For the Israelites, it would be this. I am calling you to possess the land. The coordinates are here over on the other side of this river. You see that city over there? That's Jericho. You're gonna take that city first. But first, you've gotta cross the river. They can't attack the city before they cross. They've gotta take the step that's in front of them. Here are the challenges to where it is that they're going. It is impossible to cross. They've already seen that. And yet, God tells them something very specific. Go ahead and follow the Ark of the Covenant across the river, wherever you see the Ark go. If it goes left, you go left. If it goes right, you go right. However the Ark travels is what you are to follow. Now, the Ark of the Covenant in this is very important because it at once symbolizes the presence of God that had been there, that had walked with them thus far. But inside the Ark, it had possessed specifically the ways in which God had met them in the past. There is the golden uh, bowl of manna of, about God's provision. There's Aaron's staff that budded, that God would establish his leadership in this way. And these are the things that are in there. So when they see the symbol, they're imagining God has met us in the past in these ways. And therefore, I know, even though I don't know how he's going to do this, I know that if I just follow his presence, I will get to where it is that I need to go. The destination in our rational mind would seem to be across the river. But that's not where the destination is. The destination for the Israelites and the destination for us is always the presence of God. Because where his presence is, what does scripture say? There is fullness of joy. It's following the presence of God and not chasing a promise without the presence. We chase the presence to receive the promise. Do you see the distinction? That'll preach all by itself. Amen, pastor. I just got saved and filled again with some Jesus. It is the word of God that we must pursue and the presence of God that must be our clear desire. But we've got to set clear Coordinates, what is our destination? Our destination is always tracking the presence of God. That's where the blessing comes. Not in our pursuit of the promise. Because the promise always comes through the presence. And it's not just important to know where you're going. The location of where they're going is across the river. 
But how you're getting there matters. Have you ever pursued some sort of task and you end up achieving your objective and then regretted the entire process because it was not at all what you want? Let me set this up for you. Like an argument that you might have with somebody in your house. You win the argument, but you lose the household. You know what I mean? Where the screamings happen and then everybody is there. They got your point. They feel terrible about themselves. You won, but you lost. How we get to where it is that we're going matters a lot. And this is what Joshua is learning. The courage that he's going to have to take or it's going to take to take the God steps requires him to live in a different kind of way. Lord, I'm going to trust you for your help. And similarly, when we want godly outcomes in different areas of our lives, whether that be in our marriages, whether that be in starting a business, whether that be following after uh, God in new ways and being a more faithful disciple, it will require something uniquely different from us. You know, here's the problem. Many of us know how to struggle. We've got the destination for how to handle struggle. We can handle how it is to go without. We can handle how it is to, um, to, to be lean at times or how it is to, 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 to navigate problems. But what we struggle to navigate often is blessing. I think sometimes God's people don't know how to be blessed. We know how to struggle. We know how to walk through the wilderness and be camped on the other side of the promise and be able to see it just on the other side of the river. Shatim represents transition. But we can get caught up perpetually in Shatim and never get to where it is that God wants us to be. God means for us to have it, but to have it we means we've got to have it God's way. And what I've learned is that a couple of things that keep us from getting to where it is that we need to go is that sometimes we just lack the skill. We don't know. Like, okay, I don't, I don't really have what it takes to accomplish this. I'm, I'm not capable. The bandwidth in my brain is not sufficient for the problem that I possess. I need some help. And so therefore, we start trying to figure out things within the own power. I, I like what Albert Einstein says about this idea. Like the problems, the significant problems that we face in this generation cannot be handled or addressed with the same logic that got us into the problems that we currently have. We have to learn to think differently. And to learn to think differently means that we have to be immersed in this book in a different kind of way. To find the intersecting points of what God is speaking into our lives and allow God to help us to arrive at where it is that we need to go. Secondly, if you know some people that have success in the area that you desire success, they may be good people to hang out with to help you get through what it is that you're now facing. Why are you still talking to that tired neighbor that's been through six marriages trying to tell you how to have a good marriage? She can't help you, baby. She's going to tell you, well, I know because I failed six times and you're going to fail seven and eight and nine. That's why you're sorry so I've been married six times. Have you been married six times? I'm sorry. I don't mean offense by that. You get what I'm saying? We need advice though from people that have success in these areas because they best have the wisdom to lead us. And that's what it means to be in a community of faith. You have grace that I need. And I have grace that you need, and somehow the body of Christ functions as it's designed. But let me say something. God will never, listen to me, 
God will never ask you to do anything that's contrary to this word. Never. If somebody says God said and it doesn't line up with this, you better know where that's coming from. It is not the Lord. We base all our life on the truth that this word communicates because it is the basis of all truth. So we don't have the skill. That's number one. The second is we have the skill, but we lack the opportunity. In my life, some of the saddest folks that I've ever met are those that have the skill to be professional athletes. I see them on a the court. They're amazing. Or navigating a football field or, or a soccer field or playing baseball. I've been to countries like the Dominican Republic and I've seen the talent, the elite talent. The problem though is they don't have the opportunity because the right people haven't seen what it is that they can do. And you can be king of the court and still never flourish because you didn't have the opportunity. Opportunity requires us to be in the right position. Being positioned for what God wants to do in your life in 2020 means that you have to position yourself after his presence. If you're not in an environment of faith, then you need to be in one. If you're not in a group, a, a prayer group of people that will believe next to you, you need to get in one. If you don't have friends, then you need to find a life group and connect with those that can help you get to where it is that you're trying to go. That's what the body of Christ is supposed to look like. We set the GPS coordinate, but it's clearly after God's presence and in pursuit of God's presence, we find the divine outcomes. The second thing I've learned about the GPS, now this is the GPS in my car, is that it's only as good as my ability to stay focused on what it's telling me to do. Okay, I have four girls, and one of the things that I, I, I don't know if I like it or not, but a new feature on the Apple Watch is it tells you the decibel level that is going on in your house like all the time. And so I live in a house of four girls. I'm a quiet person, as you can see, and, and my wife is very quiet. I mean, she's probably actually the only quiet one in the house. But I, I, I look down my watch, and it's always giving me these decibel alerts, and I live in a world that is constantly somewhere above 80 decibels. 80 decibels may not be too much. You're not going to suffer hearing loss from that, but it's a loud environment. The problem with a loud environment when I'm trying to stay focused is it can easily distract me. The other day I'm driving down the road and I've got my kids in the back seat and they're arguing and I'm turning around. And I'm saying, you guys need to be quiet. You guys are distracting me. But dad, she licked me in the ear. What just happened? How is this even a real world that I'm living in? How, what's going on? And then I look down the GPS and I've missed my exit. And God bless North Carolina. But sometimes there's like 15 miles between exits sometimes when you're getting out there in some of these places. And I'm looking at this situation. I'm already running tight. And now I'm going to be late because of my kids and all that crazy noise. Nope. It's never their fault. I'm navigating the car. It's my job to keep focused no matter what the noise is around me. And that's true for you too. Because I can promise you the ambient noise will always be distracting if you've got a spirit to be distracted. And the enemy knows how to raise the decibel level in your life just enough to where you miss where it is that God is trying to take you. You are never going to be able to quiet the noise outside, but you can certainly quiet the noise inside. Because an outward manifestation of a goal that we desire to reach will always be contingent in our inward disposition to possess it. Which means that we've got to maintain clear focus on where it is that we're going. 
This is the case for Joshua. He sees the ark and he says, okay, this is what we're going to do. We're just going to follow that because that is a symbol of God's presence. And wherever that is, we're going to go. Left, right, up, down, somersaults, whatever we got to do, that's our measure. Let's be in pursuit of that. And so he gets everybody up. They're in this place of transition. But God is trying to move them out of Shittim to get them into the promise. And God is trying to do the same for you. Trying to move you and lead you towards his promise that he has for your life. If you lose focus, it is never the problem of those things that distract you from it. It always is a direct issue with yourself. I can't blame my kids for their noise. They're kids and they're gonna make lots of noise. God has given me them, but he's also called me as their parent to stay focused, not just behind the wheel. But even when I'm navigating hard things that they do and bad decisions that they make, that I maintain my focus as their parent to lead them in godly ways, no matter how crazy they make me feel on the inside or how much I just want to drive them over to Pastor Tom's house and say, hey man, can you deal with them for a week? You know, th those things that you feel like doing, it, 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 you, you gotta move away from that and stay laser focused on what it is that God has for your life. If the Israelites lose sight of the ark, they miss the promise. That's true for you, it's true for me. It's not just them. If we lose sight of what God is trying to do in this moment that we're in even right now, then we miss the promise and the blessing that God intends through this. The, that's the key. Since you don't know which way to go, the scripture says, when you see the Ark of the Covenant and the Levitical priest carrying it, you are to move out from your positions and follow it. Then you will know which way to go since you have never been this way before. When we're trying to achieve and we're in our striving, it always will be connected to, in some ways, our receiving of these promises anyway, will be connected to our ability to, to maintain focus in the middle of it. The third thing about the GPS is that you've got to be able to hear the voice of the navigator, which is Christ. If you can't hear God's voice in your life, like I said, you're not always going to be able to stop the ambient noise, the loudness, but you can quiet it within. But you've got to be able to hear his direction because he might be telling you how to avoid a detour. I remember, yeah, I was driving down the road a couple years ago and the navigation kept telling me to get off. And I assumed I knew better than the navigation because I was going to Pennsylvania. And I know the way to Pennsylvania. I've been that direction lots of times. Used to live up there. I know how to drive there. So I'm driving up Interstate 95 and alternate routes detected, the GPS says. Alternate route detected. Alternate route. Man, I know how to get here. I'm just going to go up 95. It's going to be good. I end up in two-hour bumper-to-bumper traffic and had to peace so bad I thought I was going to die. I probably shouldn't say that in church. It was so bad and I thought I was going to die. The Lord says, I told you to get off. I said I would get off. He goes, but now you're going to suffer a minute because you didn't listen to the alternate route detected. Do you know that the get from Egypt to the promised land was only a four-day journey? It took 40 years, and the reason it took 40 years is because they did not hear alternate routes detected. 
And in your life, you might be struggling and bombarded with all of these emotions about how it is you're going to handle those problems. When God says alternate route detected, you need to exit and find the path that he's taking you on. Joshua's hearing alternate route detected. Because not like they hadn't faced a body of water before. Moses did. He held up his cool little staff. I don't know if you've ever seen, you know, Ten Commandments, but it's pretty bad to the bone. Even back then, those old uh, special effects, they still are pretty sweet even today. But he holds out a staff and God sends wind and pushes it back. I mean, he holds it up and that's how it does. But now it's different in this text. And I don't know, but I imagine, because we don't hear whole stories, we just are mostly watching outcomes about how they happen. But I imagine Joshua is probably kind of all by himself, and he picks up his staff, and he's hoping nobody's watching, he's kind of holding it out over the water, and it ain't happening. He's like looking at it, and so I hope nobody saw that, because they're not going to want to follow me, because I just tried this, and messed up. It's probably something going on like this, that he's trying to stumble through it, like we all do. He's human. He's trying to figure it out. Moses did it. I can do it. But that's not the way it was going to go this time. You need to follow the ark. And the word that God gives him is strange. I want you to go step in the very thing that you're probably most afraid of. This river that's raging at flood stage, that's water is so swift, it will carry you away in a nanosecond. This water, I need you to step into it. So they get up to the bank and they keep waiting for it to happen. Okay, God, now? Yet? I said step into the water. This ark's gonna end up downriver, God. I mean, I don't know about this. I said step in the water. Alternate route detected. And then they step. And as soon as they do, as soon as they're obedient, as soon as they walk in God's path, uh, the water in a city that's far away from where they are bounds up in a heap, but the miracle isn't over. Scripture says, we just read it, that they walk across on dry ground. So it's this miracle. They're not walking along muddy water, but God gives them an alternate route. And sometimes in life, that's what God is waiting for. He's look, asking us to step into the impossible situation so that you finally will see the impossible outcome. Some of you have been struggling in, it just feels like futility fighting fights in your households and dealing with problems that you're not managing or struggling to know if you should start the business. You've got to step out before you can step into the promise. And that's a very clear picture of what Joshua is having to learn. But I love this. Unlike Moses, who is leading the people as a Christ figure, Joshua is showing us how we lead as human figures. We always chase the presence of God. We always follow his path. Joshua is not the one carrying the ark. He's following it. And he's showing us today, some thousands of years since that event, that 2020 is going to be filled with lots of opportunity. It's going to be filled with powerful breakthroughs. It's going to be filled with incredible opportunities, but you're going to have to step into the river before it will be bound up in a heap some distance from there. You know, I'm crazy, and I like to ask questions of Scripture that maybe 
a lot of people don't ask, but how do they know like what happened? How do they know that the, some city like miles away that this event took place, that the water ended up in a heap? Because <laughs> they were only privy to this part of the miracle. They only saw the dry ground and so they're walking across it. So I imagine it probably went something like this. That there was someone in that city that was over there that later on they're telling the story goes, yeah, God brought us into the promised land. As soon as we stepped foot into the water, the ark, man, we all walked through the ark, settled right in the middle and everybody just walked on through. That was great. And it goes, oh man, I saw the other side of that miracle and I didn't know what was happening but all of a sudden in my city the water just bound up like a heap and I'm thinking to myself I've never seen this before but the testimony of one sort of gives clarity to the whole that God is working on a level that most of us can't even imagine. That God is trying to align some things for your life that you can't see in your purview but it doesn't mean that God's not working and just because you can't see it with these eyes doesn't mean that the blessing isn't waiting on you to step in the river to step into the blessing and into the promise and into the victory that God has for you I'm going to invite the worship team to come back up 2020 is going to be a year that I believe God is going to do amazing things through this church but our corporate destiny is always connected to individual destiny Meaning that a church can't be in victory if all of its people are in bondage. I believe with all of my heart today that God is trying to rouse your spirit and awaken some dormant dreams that have been stuck in this transitional place of Shatim and lead you from Shatim or through Shatim into your blessing. God's great intent for your life and my life is to bring us into the promise, but to possess the promise, it's going to require that each of us start taking those steps in our lives. The way to get there is that we follow the presence. The way that we get divine outcomes is going divine ways. Meaning that we've got to trust when it doesn't make sense to trust. It means we've got to invest when everyone else says it's crazy to invest. It means we've got to believe when from an hour perspective it seems foolhardy to do so. It's here, church, that we find the breakthroughs. When we started this church, or before we did, the Lord was calling my wife and I to step out into the river. The people around us, the people, even some that I would think would get it, were discouraging us. They said, don't do it. The economy's bad. It's not a good time to plant a church. Do it in a year or two years. But we felt and knew within our heart. We had other spiritual counselors that were around us that were encouraging us and saying, I know it doesn't look right on the outside, but I know that God is able and God will make a way. We move to a city where we've never been. And my wife and I were looking at each other. It's like, well, what do we got to do? We got to eat. Well, what are we going to eat? I said, well, one of us is going to have to work. I'm going to go plant a church. We need you to help us. Let's go do what you do. Let's go help you find a job. So we go to the first school. I said, sorry. You're not going to be able to find a job here. 
Not here, not even throughout the whole state of North Carolina is a hiring freeze. We're not hiring any teachers. They're not going to do it. You're not going to be able to find a job. My wife come back in the car. She's discouraged. She says, there's no, there's no teaching jobs available. There's a hiring freeze. She says, what do we do? I said, we step into the river. Let's go print out some resumes. So we go and we print out some resumes and we show up at schools that aren't allowed to hire because there's a hiring freeze. And she goes to the very first school after that. She hands the principal the resume and she says, I know that you're on a hiring freeze, but I want to go ahead and give you this. And the principal looked at it. She gets into the car before she can make it to the car. Her cell phone's ringing. I need you to come back right now. He goes, I'm legally not allowed to hire you, but I want to tell you something. You're hired. I need your skill set. And I've been waiting for somebody just like you to come we were stepping into the river people said well how are you going to feed your family I said God will provide for us he's never failed us he said you're going to leave all of that and all that security I said there's no safer place in the presence of God I remember that time a, a, a big old van load of food showed up from Missouri from someone that didn't even know who we were unsolicited we weren't asking for it they just said God told me to send this van load of groceries to this address and here it is and I remember looking at that and said God you're so good you make a way out of no way then the unexpected checks the unexpected checks started showing up in the mail again unsolicited God put you on my heart pastor I believe in what you're doing go ahead and cash this use this for whatever you need if it's personal use it personal if it's ministry use it for ministry but God's calling me to do that and so many checks were showing up why because we stepped into the, minute, the river. You want to see miracles in 2020? You want to see them? Start putting yourself in a position where that's the only way you're going to get through. And you'll see them. Start putting your faith on the line and start tracking the presence of God and you'll see them. I want to tell you that there is no force in hell that can stop a people that believe that God can do anything. And I believe in 2020, this church is going to take new territory, both spiritually and naturally. I believe that we're going to have the most functional marriages in this church. That God is going to heal miraculously through this church. And that God is going to use you and I to change our culture. But it's time for us to step church into the river. Take the bold step and live into the promise. Because that's where our victory is found. It's not found in our own reasoning or our own rationale. It's found in pursuit of God because where God is, there the blessing flows. I wonder if we can just take a little bit of a minute and just in our spirits begin to take that step that we need to take. Some of you haven't set no resolutions or you haven't set any resolutions for 2020. You haven't done it yet, but it's time to do it right now. What do you believe in God for in this year? Where do you need to see the breakthrough? And then I want to step with you into the river. And we're going to do that through our worship. And so wherever it is that you need to see God working as we focus our eyes on his presence and through this worship song, I want you to put that before God. And I want you in your spirit and in your mind, take a step towards it. Worship team, come on. I feel like a hallelujah is raised. Join Pastor Shane of Covenant Life Church next time for another powerful and inspirational message. To find out more about Covenant Life Church, log on to www.covenant-life.com or call 919-462-1932. Remember, living life without direction is meaningless. Living a purpose life with direction from Jesus Christ is your life fulfilled.